We will soon be hearing our favorite Christmas carols being played in stores and on the radio. We will hear carols that proclaim, Born is the King of Israel. Carols that give glory to the newborn King. And even a carol that commands, Let earth receive her King. We love these Christmas carols and delight in the fact that it is possible in 2022 to walk into a store and hear songs that affirm our Christian faith and give glory to Christ the King. We also have to hear songs about Grandma being run over by the reindeer but we will take what we can get. The Feast of Christ the King is a relatively new feast in the church's calendar. It dates back only to 1925, less than a hundred years ago. Its subject is the glorious kingship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Its origin is in some of the darkest days of human history. It's hard to contemplate the world as it existed in 1925, less than a decade after the end of World War I, a a war that was so horrible and brought such rampant destruction throughout all of Europe, the world was still reeling from all of that destruction. It was an incredibly unsettled time. This turmoil was in the context in which the rise of fascism and totalitarianism took place in Europe. It was in 1925 that Joseph Stalin took control of Russia. It was in 1925 that Benito Mussolini dissolved the Italian parliament and declared himself the dictator of Italy. Hitler was on the rise In 1925, he published Mein Kampf, and he would soon join the rogues gallery of characters that would bring such unmitigated destruction and terror upon our world. It was in this context that Pope Pius XI declared that the Church would universally celebrate a new feast toward the end of the liturgical year. The new feast would be the Feast of Christ the King. Pope Pius was a keen observer of the world in which he lived. Pope Pius made it clear that this feast was created in direct response to what was happening in the world. He saw a trend growing where Christ was excluded from political life. 
with authority being derived not from God, but from man. It was the hope of the Holy Father that in celebrating this feast, the church would be reminded of where authority truly comes from. The Pope observed a society that was hell-bent on self-destruction. The hope of the Holy Father was that this new feast would inspire the faithful. He hoped that in celebrating it, men and women would be reminded that it is to Christ that we owe our fealty and that no earthly power can ever surpass that of his eternal kingship. The Pope did not see this as a passive, merely personal submission. Instead, he saw a need for the people of God to stand against the wave of anti-Christian sentiment that had been rising. The Pope wrote, This state of things may perhaps be attributed to a certain slowness and timidity in good people who are reluctant to engage in conflict or oppose but a weak resistance. Thus the enemies of the church become bolder in their attacks. But if the faithful were generally to understand that it behooves them ever to fight courageously under the banner of Christ, then fired with apostolic zeal, they would strive to win over to their Lord those hearts that are bitter and estranged from him and would valiantly defend his rights. Pope Pius believed that the world of his time needed to be reminded of the primacy and the lordship of Jesus Christ the King, and that the faithful needed to be inspired to go out into the world in Christ's name, under his kingly banner. If Pope Pius had not created this feast in 1925, then surely we would be pining for the creation of such a feast in our day and age. The church today continues to face the threat of fascism and communism. The church faces the rise of secularism militant atheism and relativism that bullies and imposes its views by force. We can rightly speak today of a dictatorship of relativism. What is the answer? The answer is in the feast that we celebrate today. The Pope writes, he must reign in our minds. He must reign in our wills. He must reign in our hearts. He must reign in our bodies. 
that having lived our lives in accordance with the laws of God's kingdom, we may receive full measure of good fruit and counted by Christ good and faithful servants. We may be rendered partakers of eternal bliss and glory with him in his heavenly kingdom. He is the king we must follow. There must be no doubt in our minds whose side we are on these days. He is the king who rules from the cross. He is the king who is the servant, the one who lays down his life so that you and I might have life in abundance. He urges us to march under his kingly banner, giving us the fortification and the strength that we need, giving us the great gift through the Holy Eucharist, the gift of the same body that hung upon the cross, the same blood that poured forth from his precious wounds. He gives us to eat and drink his very body and most precious blood, from the sacrifice of this altar so that we might be changed from within, that we might become more and more like him and that we might be more and more convinced of the role that we have to play in building up his kingdom in spite of strong opposition in our world. Down through the ages, Men and women, girls and boys have followed him, soldiers of Christ, willing to lay down their lives in standing up for the one true faith, willing to give everything for the king who gives us everything we could possibly want. On this feast of Christ the King, may we be conscious of the powers and forces at work in our world that seek only the destruction of our souls. And may we be ever more aware of the living presence of Christ the King who bids us to follow him each and every day, who bids us to stand up for his kingdom and to march under his banner.